this is big. We got a holiday show here. No time off for Jeff and I. We're dressed up in our usual costumes. Show sponsored by Yahoo. Also, guys, subscribe to the Osmo Podcast Network. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Help us help you. We'll bring you the best advice as quickly as possible if you're subscribed to all of our platforms. So this is a pretty interesting slate here, Jeff, because this is one of the most weather-filled slates that I could ever remember. There is so much wind in, in these games, and we've seen it affect a lot of the Vegas totals. A bunch of them have gone down since the start of the week. Uh, most notably, uh, Tennessee, Cincinnati, there's some win there. Uh, the really bad ones, uh, Patriots, Bills, Raiders, Browns, Vikings, Packers, the Bears-Saints game has an extremely low total because of the weather. So yep. as we transition to talking about the quarterbacks, how is this affecting how you're how you're going after these passing games? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be... You know, I'd be lying if I didn't say that uh, it's going to get me off some of these games, unfortunately, um, because there, there were some really, really interesting situations shaping up with the, you know, the Cleveland game being kind of first and foremost, um, the Cincy-Tennessee game. And I think Cincy-Tennessee might be okay. Like, that's one I'm going to keep an eye on. Uh, if the wind drops even just like a couple more miles per hour, I think that's still very stackable. But, um, you know, Minnesota-Green Bay, you mentioned all the other ones, like even Camara. You know, you've got to you've got to wonder about his not not necessarily his usage, but just his his overall upside. I mean, I I know he's short passes and stuff like that, but like if the game sucks, like it's gonna affect everyone. It, it's if it's slow and ugly, it'll affect everyone, even even Kamara. So um, lots to think about this week. I think it's just got right now. There there's all there is a couple other spots that looked interesting, but I didn't really necessarily think. I was going to have to go there or like, you know, it would be, it would be, would have been too thin a play maybe with all these other spots. But now some of these spots are looking pretty good because of the good weather. And it, like, I kind of liked them before and now they're, they're looking more viable. So we'll get into that, obviously, you know, especially with favorite stack at the end of the show. So. Yeah. So the one thing that I found really interesting is people have been making this point on Twitter. A lot of other analysts are saying, well, what, what if the ownership offsets it? If the ownership gets really low, would you be willing to roster them? Sure. And I go, yeah, but look at what the ownership we've projected right now at Osmo, it's not impacting the ownership all that much. There's a That's lot good. of and the high. Yeah, yeah go ahead. It's bad weather everywhere, right? Like, it's not like you can pivot off one game. Like, you can't pivot off um, the Raiders to go to New Orleans or something like that. Like, it's everywhere. So, yeah, you're yeah, right. And I, I think that's why a lot of people are just saying, hey, there's so much bad weather. I don't care. I'm just going to rush these guys anyway because yeah. – at least if you look at some of the ownership projections now, I mean, we've got Derek Carr is the highest owned quarterback. Then you look at the running backs. Yeah. Kareem Hunt's really popular. Josh Jacobs is really popular. Uh, Devontae Adams is ridiculously popular after his after his best game last week. Darren Waller is popular. So if you look at all the positions, the chalk is still in the win games. So maybe I would feel differently about some of these passing games if I thought there was going to be a real ownership discount there. But at least as of now, that doesn't look like it's going to be the case. Maybe that'll change by tomorrow morning. But as of right now, I just don't want to roster the chalkiest players at their position when there's yep. going to be potential 40-mile-per-hour wins and they're going to play in, like, monsoons or something like that. I'd rather just go to the to the, to the better weather games. Uh, so let's start with some of these quarterbacks here. Uh, like I mentioned, Derek Carr currently projecting as the highest-owned quarterback. And I'll say this also. In, in big field GPPs, if you're like me and you're playing 150 lineups, I'm not necessarily going to go 0% on these guys, but guys who I might have otherwise been like 10% on, I'll be like exactly. 1% or 2% on. So that, that's that's how the weather is going to impact my lineups. Uh, Derek Carr, we touched on that game a little bit if, if because of the weather. Now, if you look at some of the other guys we go down, next two highest projected on quarterbacks, Russell Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo. 
I think that game has some shootout potential, but it is tough to trust the somewhat chalky Jimmy Garoppolo. How do you feel about the Seahawks 49ers game? Yeah, um, it's a good place to start. It's unfortunate, you know, Garoppolo's ownership has gone up uh, a lot during the week. And like, it's for good reason, though. I mean, people are cluing in like, okay, you know, look at the numbers on Seattle. It's, it's so impossible to look away from the numbers on Seattle. Quarterbacks are averaging 47 pass attempts against them. I mean, that, that's insane. Like, you're basically, it's basically saying you're guaranteed to get your, your like 40 passes from your quarterback. It doesn't even matter who your quarterback is at that point. Like, it, it almost doesn't matter. You're just saying, okay, well, I have a cheap quarterback under 5,500, and he's going to get 40 pass attempts. Like, at that point, the guy becomes viable no matter what his name is. Um, so, and Garoppolo, I, like, I think he's played okay the last couple weeks. Debo Samuel's out, I guess that hurts. But, like, Brandon Ayuk is basically the exact same player as Debo Samuel. So, um, you know, we can talk about him when we get to wide receivers. That might actually be my favorite play of the entire week. But, um, you know, Garoppolo, Ayuk stack is really cheap. I think people cluing into that, too. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I'm definitely more worried now that he's going to be chalky, but like, you know, what, what else do you do under, under 6k? I mean, I think that's, that's the big reason. That's probably why his ownership's gone up too, right? Like, you know, you get a piece of Tua, like Cam Newton. I mean, like if realistically, there's just not that many viable quarterbacks under 6k other than Carr and Garoppolo. So um, I think all things considered, I would much prefer just like going to Garoppolo yeah, rather than uh, taking a piece of that win game, unless we get some major change in the weather, then obviously that'll sw- switch. But um, I d- generally don't like to trust the chalky Derek Carr anyways. So I- I'm I'm probably okay eating some Garoppolo shock. I like, uh, you know, again, and let's talk in, you know, certain specifics here. I mean, I think if I was doing 150 lineups, I would probably be, be, be overweight on him. Maybe not crazy overweight, like maybe not double the field, but I would be overweight on it. I like the spot. Um, it's a clean weather game. There's not much bad to say about it. And then with every, with uh, with the downgrading we kind of have to give to the other QBs, again, yeah, Garoppolo is definitely one of the top players for me. Yeah, I mean, the other thing about having a wide receiver injury, it's always interesting because on mm-hmm. one hand, yes, it's a little bit of a downgrade to Jimmy Garoppolo not having Debo Samuel there. I mean, he also didn't have Debo Samuel for most of the start of the season. The other thing also is it kind of makes stacking easier because we know where the targets are going to, right? We know they're going to go to George Kittle by and large, but we know that Ayuk's going to be more involved. So in some ways, it almost makes it a better fantasy situation, even though you could argue it's worse at the same time, just because it's so much easier to know that, hey, if Garoppolo plays well, these are the guys that are going to benefit. So I don't necessarily hate that Debo Samuel is out. Um, I, I think that it's still a fine spot to to target Jimmy Garoppolo in the passing game. And like you said, also, they're going to have to throw the ball a ton to keep up with the Seahawks. So both sides of that game I'm going to like, and also no weather concern there. One game that I'm really struggling with, the hardest one I find on the slate, is the Chiefs-Jets game. And it's not so much because I don't know who's going to win the game. It's not because it's like, oh, is this a good situation for the Chiefs? It's almost a situation, is is the situation too good for the Chiefs? And if you look at the odd shopper page we have at Arsenal where you could compare all the odds for the the games across different sites, the Chiefs are around a 20-point favorite everywhere. So you look at that and you go like, okay, the Chiefs are going to smash here. But are they going to have to throw the ball at all in the fourth quarter? Are they going to have to even throw the ball in the third quarter? Is Patrick Mahomes going to play the fourth quarter? They're just going to take him out and go to backups at a certain point. So I see the upside with Patrick Mahomes, but I also think that there's a little bit of risk here. And I think that's why his ownership has probably dropped from, you know, he was projected around 14, 15% earlier in the week, and now he's sub 10%. So how much do you think they're actually going to have to throw the ball tomorrow? So this is potentially shaping up as I'm definitely going to have some kind of Chiefs domination stack. In, in my, in my, you know, my three max entries this week, um, hundred percent. 
there's a couple of reasons why I was kind of on the fence. And it's like every time we get a big spread like this, you have to think like, you know, is this upside capped? But if for some, not even for some reason, the, the, the upside here is seven touchdowns. Like legitimately it's, it's an insane amount of touchdowns. It's, it's like Patrick Mahomes almost breaking the record. Um, and, you know, maybe that sounds like me just being hi, hi, like hyperbole or something. It's really not, though. I mean, like, they have the highest point total on the slate by, like, four points. It's 34 points. Um, you know, easily Patrick Mahomes could throw for five touchdowns here. Uh, and, and, you know, realistically, yeah, they might take their foot off the gas with, like, five minutes left in the fourth quarter. But, like, at that point, it could be 35 nothing already, right, with Mahomes having five touchdowns. And I think this spot, I th- again, we talked about this before. This spot, to me, becomes infinitely more attractive because – of the downgrade we're giving the other spots. Yes, there is risk there, but now like we're, we're talking about such inferior quarterbacks to Patrick Mahomes that, you know, with that, you know, they were inferior before. Yes, they were in better spots, but now they're, they're in not as good spots and they're still inferior. So to me, this spot has really jumped up in my eyes. Um, I would not be shocked if some kind of chief stack took home all the money this week. And yeah, things still have to work out here, but you know, do you want to bet on Patrick Mahomes just, you know, staying in like a, a couple minutes longer and getting that extra touchdown? Or do you want to bet on like one of these win games, you know, just somehow working out somehow like they can throw through the wind? I don't know. I think I'd rather bet on on Patrick Mahomes here, especially with his ownership going down. Um, really like the spot for Kelsey. The Jets have been sneakily bad against the tight ends. Um, I, I think Patrick Mahomes is, is going to throw a lot of touchdowns here. That, that's kind of my feeling in this game. Um, I, I really like the spot with the ownership uh, going in the right direction for, for GPPs. I agree with everything you said other than the, then that the Jets have been sneakily bad at anything. I think, I think everybody's aware it's how bad, bad the Jets are <laughs> at, at everything. If I'm going to throw one other thing about uh, out about this game, Sam Donald at 4,800 I think is a viable value play. And the Chiefs have a decent defense. It's not I'm going to say that this is a good matchup or anything like that. It's just such a favorable game script because if the Chiefs are going to win as much as the spread suggests, there's going to be a ton of soft coverage that the Jets are going to face in the second half. So, I mean, Sam Darnold, 4,800, quarterback with a little bit of running upside also. I mean, we saw that primetime game where he had, was it that 52-yard touchdown run where he was running like the water boy, panting as he was looking around and didn't fall down like Daniel Jones, but it looked like he was going to. I, I think that Sam Darnold, cheapest starting quarterback on the slate, in what could be a really good matchup in terms of the game script where there's just they're just going to play prevent defense, just going to go here, take an eight-yard check down pass every play of the second half, and then all of a sudden Sam Darnold has, you know, 300 passing yards and maybe a rushing touchdown or something like that. For the price and legitimately no ownership, we're looking at sub-1% ownership on Sam Darnold. I'm mm-hmm. going to have a little bit of exposure to him, maybe, you know, 5% or something like that. So not a massive amount, but much more than the field. Is that is that a little too crazy or does it make sense? Well, everybody likes Denzel Mims now, right? Like Sam Darnold's throwing Mims the ball. So, I mean, if Mims gets in the end zone, you know, you have a really cheap, like how much is that stack even worth on DraftKings? Like eight grand? Yeah, l- less, less than Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, less than Patrick Mahomes. That's pretty crazy to think about. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Anytime a cheap stack like that is in play, I, they're, they definitely have GPP viability. And um, like you said, we're playing for the Jets to be at least a little competitive. So, yeah, there is a game script here where it's 25 nothing, And, like, it's just, like, the most boring game ever. And Patrick Holmes throws three touchdowns in the first half. And, like, the second half, you just literally fall asleep and you regret your choices. But, you know, there, there is the other outcome that Greg and I are obviously touching on here. And like I said, I think with the team totals, everything the better weather I, again you're you're just which 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 educated guest do you want to 
bet on here. The the win games, the the bet, the inferior quarterbacks uh, producing in the bad win games, or Patrick Mahomes just keep chucking the ball. I, I, again, I lean to Mahomes right now. Um, so I, I agree, and that, and I think Darnold is viable because of that too. All right, one final quarterback that I like. I like Lamar Jackson also this week, 7,400. There is a little bit of wind in that game, but if there's any quarterback who isn't really affected that much by the wind, it's Lamar Jackson because so much of his fantasy production is coming on the ground anyway. Uh, We get 7,400 for Lamar Jackson. I mean, if he was 7,400 all last year, he would have been like 25% owned. And now just because he's had a little bit of a mediocre start to the season, which has been for a couple of reasons. Number one, he was a little bit banged up earlier in the year. The Ravens have also won a lot of games fairly one-sided where they haven't needed Lamar Jackson to run. Now we're looking at a divisional rivalry game. The Ravens are second in the division right now to the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. So very high leverage spot. I think Lamar Jackson's going to have to run a ton in this game. I would not be at all surprised to see him go for over 100 rushing yards. The other thing also is you don't have to stack Lamar Jackson with anybody. Yep. He could rush for over 100 yards and you don't have to figure out which one of the guys he's going to throw the ball to six times or whatever it is because I think this is a big rushing spot for Lamar Jackson. On paper, it's a tough matchup against the Steelers, but it's not like anybody really has the recipe to stop Lamar Jackson when he's got his uh, ground game going. So him also really low-owned, uh, much cheaper than what we normally see, even if he's more at the expensive range of the of the quarterbacks. When we have all these games where we're concerned about the weather, I think that Lamar Jackson is going a little bit overlooked. Yeah, um, I, I can see stacking that Pittsburgh. I mean, you might even just stack Lamar with the Pittsburgh wide receivers, right? Um I think that the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game, to some extent, the New England-Buffalo game, I'm a little bit interested in Josh Allen. But realistically, the other game I'm kind of looking at with similar similar vibes as, as the, the Steelers game is, is the Denver-Chargers game. No one wants to play Justin Herbert again. Like, th- this guy's like the best fantasy quarterback in the league the last three weeks. I mean, Denver's not that good a pass defense anymore. Um, I think that game, it's got good weather this week. Everyone just thinks, oh, it's Denver. It's, it's actually not. It's really nice there. Um and, uh, you know, the Chargers defense just allowing a bunch of points to Jacksonville. Uh, I, I like that game a little bit here. I mean, everyone likes Keenan Allen. Why not play him with Justin Herbert, stack one more guy there, maybe Hunter Henry coming back or something. But um, I think uh, I, I think that's uh, just a little bit of an interesting spot as well for similar reasons. I don't think Justin Herbert is, is really able to be shut down. I mean, it sounds weird to say, but like Tampa didn't shut him down. Indianapolis, you know, all, all these good defense didn't shut Justin Herbert down. What, why is it going to be diff, different with Denver this week? So that's the other spot. Very similar vibes. Just, um, you know, uh, I, I just think that, uh, you know, with all these other games, we've got to start looking a little bit deeper into what could happen with uh, good quarterbacks like Herbert and, um, and Jackson. So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I mean, anybody in good weather, I'm going to probably favor over the, over the bad weather quarterbacks. The other thing too is, I mean, I've talked about this a bunch this year. Quarterback doesn't matter all that much as a position. Right. I mean, the production's generally kind of tough to predict. It's pretty flat unless there's just going to be a guy who throws for like 400 yards and five touchdowns. The stacks and the correlation make much more sense than the individual quarterbacks themselves. And just the final bow on the on the win discussion. It's just hard to think that there's going to be these wide receivers who are hauling in, you know, six catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. The quarterbacks can go off for all these yards in the bad weather. So I'm I'm probably going to be in large part off of the bad weather unless something drastically changes by tomorrow. Makes sense. All right. Today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. So now we get into the running backs here, Jeff. And the first thing that stands out, 
nobody cares about the weather when it comes to the running backs. And I do think that makes a little bit more sense to be less concerned about the mm-hmm. weather when it comes to running backs. But Kareem Hunt, nearly 40% owned this week going up against the Raiders. Raiders, one of the worst defenses in the league, 31st overall in DVOA, bad against the pass, bad against the run. It also stands to reason that Kareem Hunt is going to get a little bit more work in the passing game now that Odell Beckham Jr. is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think he's necessarily weatherproof, uh, but I do think that he's somebody who can have a good game anyway just because, number one, running the ball without Nick Chubb, and then number two, I do think a lot of the Browns' passing game could be screen passes to Hunt. Uh, but with that said, I like him less than what his ownership is. I think that with the weather concerns, we're still going to be expecting less scoring. And I think that the ownership at 40% is probably a touch too high. Yeah, it's it has gone like at 30%. You're like, okay, I can deal with that. It's like probably maybe a little bit like the Kamara situation last week. Maybe won't get up as high owned because he's Kareem Hunt and he's not Alvin Kamara. But at this point, it looks like we might be getting like more ownership. Like I don't even know if Kamara was projected this high last week. And he ended up like 50%, I think, in the million, right? So um, you know, on DraftKings, I'm talking about. So uh, Kareem Hunt looks like, wow. And I, I think the weather actually, like you mentioned, I think it just helps Kareem Hunt's ownership. Everyone's like, wow, I got to get a piece of the run game from this, this game at least, right? Still got a 50-point total. I'll just take Kareem Hunt. So um, I don't see that changing really too much. I, and I agree. Like this is just, it's, it's just, it's a bridge too far, basically. Like, uh, again, we're talking about 150 lineups, probably I'd be looking maybe like 20, like half of what he's going to be on. Maybe if he's going to going to go for 50%, um, then that that's kind of way I'm looking. I just feel like, again, people are discounting the fact that it, it makes these games ugly. Like if the wind affects the passing game, that means they don't move the ball very well. Yeah, maybe Cream Hunt gets a few more carries and maybe one of these running back plays work, it works out, but it, it definitely is going to take away from everyone's upside. So, you know, of those kind of top four running backs projected right now, I kind of think I like Derrick Henry the best. I, I just feel like these conditions, and if it is going to be a bit uglier, it makes Derrick Henry a little bit harder to tackle. Um, he sh- he's still coming in with good ownership too, but um, all the, this is uh, the running back almost feels trickier to me than passing. At least with passing, we can say for sure it's going to affect the passing game. With running, it's like well, it it might make the game ugly, but these guys could still get like thirty touches. And- yeah, that's, I mean, and you mentioned Derrick Henry. We know the Titans aren't going to be scared to give Derrick Henry the ball a no, million times. Exactly. We've seen, we've seen exactly. it all the time. Yeah. And then you do wonder, too, I mean, teams know the Titans are going to run the ball generally anyway. And it still doesn't really prevent them from giving Derrick Henry 30 touches, 35 exactly. like, touches. Like Tennessee would give Derrick Henry 30 touches if it was bright and sunny and 80 degrees. <laughs> exactly. Like, it, it's so it's like game as usual. That's that's kind of why I bring it up. I just don't think it's going to affect Tennessee as much, though. So. Yeah, I, I think that Derrick Henry, it shouldn't hurt him all that much. The other thing, too, is we're not expecting all that much passing game work from Derrick Henry on a normal week anyway. And no. a lot of times we see Derrick Henry, is he's usually not all that efficient anyway, and then it just eventually he'll break out one or two really long runs. So it'll be like, oh, Derrick Henry. Like, the the week that Derrick Henry had, what was it, 200 yards and two touchdowns, yeah. he sucked until halfway through the fourth quarter. He went to overtime, and he had another 70 yeah. yards in overtime. Yeah. So I mean, it, let's, it, let's be honest. Like, the people... Foster Derrick Henry that we ran very well. And I'm not I'm not suggesting he was a bad play that week or anything. It was good to stack that game. I thought it was a great game stack, but like you ran good. I mean, you needed everything to break your way. But that's what happens with Derrick Henry. He he gets the fourth quarter touches almost no matter what Tennessee is doing in the game. If they're behind or ahead, he gets the touches. So that's why he's he's so valuable, in my opinion. So let's talk about some of the pivot plays in this higher end. One guy that stands game, out to me is Jonathan Taylor, 6,600 on DraftKings. 
going up against the Detroit Lions. It's a pretty favorable matchup. I said before, it is so hard to figure out the usage in the Colts' backfield. But still, this is one of those games where it's it's going to be a good weather spot. I think it has potential to score pretty well. Jonathan Taylor not picking up much ownership, and it haven't seen upside from him. There's been a couple games this year who's really gone off and put up big numbers. The problem is just the consistency. So I wouldn't play him in a cash game, but as a GPP play to get away from some of the higher-owned guys in the same price range, like Kareem Hunt, uh, Derrick Henry, uh, Alvin Kamara, those guys are a little bit more expensive, but still a lot more popular. Jonathan Taylor, somebody who is going to be in a good weather game, positive matchup, run game upside, passing game upside. I think there's a lot more potential here than what the ownership bears out. Yeah, absolutely. Probably my favorite pivot. Detroit, not a good run defense. You know, they're, they're bottom 10 in terms of like fantasy points to the RB position, receptions to the RB position, touchdowns. I think they've given up nine touchdowns to the RBs uh, over the last five games. It's a good spot. I mean, Indy coming in on the road, like Indy is the better team here. They're only favored by three, but realistically, um, you know, this is the spot on the road. They should just be looking to get Jonathan Taylor going and protecting themselves against the Phillip Rivers blow up. That's how they win this game, giving him a bunch of touches. I think Jonathan Taylor's looked fantastic. I think at the very least you can say, okay, now he's got a stranglehold on that early down work. Uh, I know Hines is still involved to the detriment of Indy, quite frankly, but um you know, I think in a game like this, there's just a very good chance that even 60% of the snaps here is, is going to turn into like 20 touches and like a really big fantasy game. He's got that potential. We just haven't seen it quite bear out yet. I think it's a good spot for it to happen, though. I'm in on it. Um, definitely my favorite pivot of those those high-end guys. So one situation that's kind of tricky to talk about, but I think we have to, is the, the Seattle backfield because we've got Chris Carson's banged up, Travis Homer's banged yeah. up. Uh, Carlos Hyde's been ruled out. So there's potential that DJ Dallas, who's min price on DraftKings, only $100 above min price on FanDuel, he could be the only healthy running back in the Seahawks backfield in the game that we've already said we like both the quarterbacks in. We like the potential for scoring. There's a situation where DJ Dallas is going to set up as one of the top value plays on the slate. And here's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that we go into the 1 p.m. games, the early games on the slate, and it goes right to the wire with <laughs> all those guys listed questionable. And I'm just going to try to give my lineup some flexibility where I'm able to make pivots later in the day. Because there's a chance that you can get DJ Dallas, who's very cheap, great situation for upside, with almost no ownership. So yeah. this is also one of the things that always remind people when building lineups is make sure you have your guys who are playing in the later games having the utility spot because you want to give yourself a little bit added flexibility. That's what I'm really going to be looking to do. I'm hoping this is a good late swap slate. Would you be interested in DJ Dallas if everybody else is out in the, on the Seahawks? Yeah, I've I've purposely ignored the injury situation until like just this morning on Seattle because it was such a mess. Um, but what you're saying, like it, it's exactly the way you should be approaching this. If you like, just put if you leave room for DJ Dallas to flex to basically just just leave room. Um, this is a pretty good player too. Like, and the, the thing I like about it is it's not like we're seeing DJ Dallas for the first. It's not like he hasn't taken any snaps, and it's like oh, we're just throwing the rookie in. Because in those situations, oftentimes it's everyone builds it up, and then he gets like eight touches. DJ Dallas has played the last couple of weeks. Like Seattle has purposely given him touches, and quite frankly, he's looked pretty good. Like he's looked better than Travis Homer has. I love that. I love the fact that he's coming with touches. He's looked good. The coaches think he's looked good. I think it gives more credence to the idea that they'll be more confident to sit Chris Carson. Cause I don't think Chris Carson is anywhere near hundred percent. Like, you know, questionable Pete Carroll is holding out the hope of hopes because he wants 
Chris Carson available for this game. He doesn't want to rely on Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, but I think with Dallas now having played, I think they will lean that way. That's my thought. That's my, per like, just again, reading the tea leaves here this morning and stuff like that and getting all the info. I think Chris Carson will sit. Um, it's no inside info or anything. It's just my prediction of what's going to happen. And I think DJ Dallas and Travis Homer will go. And we look, I don't even know what Travis Homer's status is because I didn't even look it up. I just know he's questionable. So um, it could be like a DJ Dallas 20 touch game and, and Homer being like the emergency back. It, 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 that, that situation is massive, uh, especially when you have Russ Wilson as your QB. So yeah, I'm, I'm in on, on like leaving some room for him. Definitely. Um, again, and again, we're talking about game stacks, right? Like this is one of those games with good weather, high point total. Um, why not just leave an extra space? You know, if all these early games bust, you're in a massive situation. So yep, that's a situation I'll definitely be monitoring basically from now until, until Sunday. So here's the other thing I also really like about DJ Dallas. He, he only played 12 snaps last week, got three targets. So if, yeah. if they're going to be, if they're that willing to get him involved in the passing game, it's not that crazy to think that DJ Dallas in an optimal situation ends up starting and gets like eight, ten, eight to 10 targets or something like that. I think there's a whole lot of upside there. Uh, rookie, he was drafted fairly high. So decently well-regarded it's I mean not like he was a first round pick or anything but you know he wasn't a seventh round pick who they were just taking a flyer on at the end of the draft so DJ Dallas I think that he makes some sense there if the stars align one other guy we have to talk about because I'm sure that people are curious about Le'Veon Bell now here, here's the deal yeah I don't care about about the revenge situation or anything like that I think all that is nonsense like there's never been a point where there's been previous times Le'Veon Bell's career where he's been like oh I guess I'll get tackled this week because I don't care as much it's not necessarily that. However, there are other reasons to like Le'Veon Bell. Most notably, this is yep. now his second game with the Chiefs. And I think that they signed him with the intention of playing him a fairly significant role. Not that he's going to supplant uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire or anything like that, except I do think that they wanted it to be a time, uh, time split between the two. And Le'Veon Bell got some work last week. Didn't get a ton, but he was involved a little bit. And I think the idea was, you know, they're going to slowly ramp him up. So now when is the perfect situation to really integrate Le'Veon Bell into the offense? It's when you're favored by 20 points in a game that's going to be a blowout. And you just go like, hey, this is where we're going to go to Le'Veon Bell. Let's let's see what he looks like in the red zone. Because for as good as CEH has looked at times, the one thing he has not done well is score when they're inside the five-yard line. So yeah. I think this is a time where you go, hey, let's see how Bell looks in that role. Let's see how Bell looks in our passing game. And I think that then you start to get to the point where you look at Le'Veon Bell at a very cheap price on FanDuel and DraftKings. And you say that, hey, he's going to get involved in the passing game. We're going to probably try to get him some red zone touches. We're going to be in the red zone a ton this week playing against the Jets. And I think this is an appealing situation. Unfortunately, there's also going to be a bunch of people roster him just for the revenge narrative. But there are other reasons to like him beyond just that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think he makes a good part of a Chiefs overall stack, too. So, again, if you're playing for, like, a Chiefs domination here to score 40 points, I think excuse me, again, he makes uh, like a really cheap uh, addition with Mahomes because obviously you got to pay up for Mahomes and then you got to pay up for Kelsey too if you're going to stack them. So uh, I think there's uh, there's lots of ways to play Le'Veon Bell. He's not going to go like super under own like Greg said, but he's not going to be super chalk either. Um, and I think there are actually like, there's a few other pivot plays in this 4K range you can touch on, like Dobbins and in, in, um, uh, Baltimore and Gus Edwards, you know, Mark Ingram out. And then uh, what about the other side of this game? Any love for uh, Lamichael Pirine? I mean, um, I, I don't hate it. Like the the KC run defense isn't isn't good. He's getting a few targets as well. Uh, I think if you're looking to play some kind of jet on the other side, Mims makes the most sense, but he's also going to be highly owned. So I think Pirine at least has a little bit of uh, of appeal for me. 
That's that's a tough one for me, just because I think that the Jets are really going to get smashed here. I'm not going to say that he's not viable. I just don't think I'm going to have him in my player pool. It's yep. it's a little bit too far off the board for me. Uh, maybe if it was a situation where it was, you know, last year, two years ago, we were back. We had the three thousand min salary for for running backs. It's it's hard for me to pay the forty three hundred for for P Ryan on, well, on DraftKings, nearly 5,000 on FanDuel. It, it's just not quite the same value. So here's, let me try and convince you one thing. Okay. So Frank Gore <laughs> is questionable and Frank Gore got zero targets last week. So, you know, if you're playing for the, obviously the jets are going to be in front of this game, Gore a little bit banged up. Could P Ryan maybe get like eight targets here? Like I, I almost, I just feel like, I think that situation is, is more likely than people realize. So that's why I'm kind of interested in him. Um, I think, uh, I think he could just pay off from a PPR perspective. And like I said, possibility. Yeah, I'm, I will say this. I'm not sold on Pirine quite yet, but maybe I'll consider him more than I would have tomorrow morning when I'm finalizing my lineups and we'll see what happens. Maybe game there uh, I think that once we hit Pirine, I think we pretty much wrapped up everything there's talk about running backs. Yeah. We really scraped the bottom. <laughs> Now and uh, the the chalk of the slate, two guys very popular. One Keenan Allen, which I mean makes sense. He's not priced up nearly in sense. He's not. It's a really tough spot. Like this is one of those ones I'm struggling with, even with the wind. I mean, I know I just said like I want to fade all the past games, but like it's Devontae Adams. I mean, realistically, it's a really tough spot. This is one of those ones I'm struggling with. Ten yards or something. I mean, it could just be. I want to fade all the time. Uh, Destroy your fantasy day if you don't have any uh, exposure to him. And Cam Dantzler is out for Minnesota. Although honestly, I think that's probably like a good thing for them because it's terrible. So it's in their secondary. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think I like right now I'm leaning towards just fading them because, um, you know, I, I look at uh, like, why get one piece of the Minnesota green Bay game? If I think it's going to be, if I think the wind is going to affect it, affect it. Um, and, and it's not going to be super high scoring. I think maybe I'd, I'd rather just go to Jamal Williams in that situation. Um, I don't really want to play either, but um, you know, if I think if I'm leaning towards one, I'd probably be getting exposure to Williams over Adams. I think there's enough. Uh, I think there's enough at, at wide receiver at, at other spots that uh, you can you can viably pivot off this this wind spot, which um, you know I, I think is going to be fairly affected by by the weather. So I don't really love it, as you can probably say. Like here is my voice, but um, I, I do feel like this is a spot where I'm I I'd be okay going under on. It hurts after last week because I, I didn't have much Devonte either, but. Um, I think it's again uh, another spot where you, you can potentially fade. I think it's a much better spot than it was last week to fade. So I'll say this at 8,800 and all the ownership he's getting. Like, yeah, I mean, if, if he goes off and scores 40 plus fantasy points again, then yeah, that breaks the slate. But if he has a decent game, scores yeah, 25 yeah. fantasy yeah, points, not that you don't need him at his price. And realistically, the, the odds of him going for 40 plus again aren't all that high. I mean, 20 to 25 roster, yeah, you're thrilled with that. But if he scores that at this price, you don't necessarily need him. So that that's why I also look at it. It's like at this price, all the wind, I think there's more downside than upside. I'm going to be massively underweight to Devontae Adams unless something happens where it's like we wake up tomorrow. It's like, well, Devontae Adams is only 10% owned or something like that. Or, or all of a sudden it's like, hey, the weather went away. It's really nice weather now. Right. Outside of that, it, it's hard for me to get to see myself getting near the field on Devontae Adams. Um, another situation that here we really need to talk about the Seahawks wide receivers. And this is something that I've also talked about earlier in the year is it is so hard to figure out who's going to go off between Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. 
Here's yep. what's not hard to figure out, though. The field is going to roster whoever played well most recently because we, we see DK Metcalf has a big game. And by the way, these guys are ridiculously negatively correlated because it seems like whichever yeah. guy is going, Rush just kind of locks onto for the know, rest of the game. Really annoying. I mean, like, <laughs> like you just almost couldn't believe what you were watching last game. Like, where is, why aren't you throwing to DK Metcalf like at least one every of every three times, you know? But you're right. I mean, Greg's right. Like, he just locks into someone who's ever open. So, Seems to be the situation. I, <laughs> and it's pretty funny too because the ownership people chase the points so heavily. Where it's just, oh, Tyler Lockett went off. Everybody rosters Tyler Lockett the, this week, and nobody rosters DK Metcalf. Last week it was everybody was on DK Metcalf. People weren't on Tyler Lockett. So I, I mean, my way that I'm approaching this situation, and it's kind of the same way that I think about the Falcon situation. If there's ever a spot where Ridley and Julio Jones are both healthy, is yeah. you just play whichever the two are lower owned. Yeah, to me that that's DK Metcalf this week because we've got DK Metcalf sub ten percent owned, and then Tyler Lockett projecting to be one of the highest owned wide receivers on the slate. There's plenty of upside in both, but yeah, I, pre- I prefer Metcalf when looking at the ownership. Yeah, I, I don't know how you can prefer Metcalf. Quite frankly, I mean, we're still talking about one of the most explosive players in the league. Like, um, he's eventually he'll he's he's going to bounce back. I mean, it, it might not be this week to be honest, but. Like at, at those ownerships, at half the ownership, I don't know why you just wouldn't take the the lower owned guy here as well. I mean, I can make a case for, you know, like he's going up against Jason Barrett, Emmanuel Mosley. It's a tough matchup on the outside. But like realistically, we've seen DK Metcalf burn good corners already in his career. He's kind of un, he's kind of uncoverable. So um, I, I, this is like part of my plan to, you know, if I'm making like some kind of San Francisco stack with Ayuk and, and and Garoppolo, I'm coming back with DK Metcalf, man. Like I'm coming back with like eight percent owned or whatever. I mean, why not? The, the there's no like they might not have a running back. They might have DJ Dallas right as their only running back too. That's the other thing here. So I really think that one of the Seattle wide receivers has a way better chance of, than uh, people should be than people realize here. I mean, they have one of the highest team totals on the slate as well. So I think even Lockett is going a little bit under owned. And again, if you're on the other side and you're like we're idiots, Lockett's going off again here. Uh, I don't care. You know, I'm it, the, the roulette table shown red twice. Now I'm playing it for the third time, whatever. I don't care what your reasoning is. Lockett's kind of under owned here too. Like I, I kind of agree with that. So I think he could push to be one of the top three wide receivers because it's a really good game script. So um, yeah, I, but all things considered like Metcalf is the guy I'm targeting for those, those San Francisco stats, like I said. And then the other side of the game, uh, you, you talked earlier about liking Brandon Ayuk. I like him a ton. Also, I think Kendrick Bourne also, uh, cheap on FanDuel and DraftKings. He's not a bad option. A little bit of a touchdown or bust play, though, although he is cheap, so that mitigates some of the risk. But we've seen in the past, we've seen that that uh, that Kendrick Bourne does get a lot of work in the red zone, especially when the 49ers are banged up. We've seen him have games with multiple touchdowns over the last few years. So I think that the two of them, Brandon Ayo, Kendrick Bourne, both make for good stacking targets with Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously, as well as George Cato. I think that's going to be my 49ers group, is those four guys uh, how do you feel about Kendrick Bourne? Are you willing to roster him as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, look, the, the Seattle secondary is is even more banged up now. They might be down two more of their top corners. Shaq Griffin's out for sure. Uh, their slot corner is, is potentially, I think he's questionable now. Jamal Adams has like one limited practice. He's not even that big a deal in coverage. I think he'd be a bigger deal to George Kittle if he does try and play. Um, but I, I kind of like going with the two wide receivers. Like, again, if you're making like one single entry, you, you want like a three max. I think I would go with the wide receivers. I think more people are going to go to Kittle. I just don't think they necessarily trust Ayuk. I just don't think people realize, like, this is a very good player. He's averaging 14 yards per reception. 
It's a fantastic runner. It's another thing to like with Ayuk here. I can't see him not getting like three carries. Um, they, they have running back issues as well. Uh, he's averaging like 17 yards per carry. I know it's like five carries on the year, but still, he's a very good open field runner. Um, it just adds to his upside. I, I think they'll use him a little bit like the Chiefs use Tyree Kill this, this week. So I absolutely love it. I think he should be up there in, in, inside the top five uh, owns. So I, I like his ownership, even though it is coming up. I don't care. Unless he gets over like 25%, I'm Ross from Brandon Ayuk this week. Uh, one more pivot play I want to talk about. Uh, you mentioned all the ownership that Denzel Mims is getting. Yep. I get it. I, I think this is a pretty good spot for the Jets to just rack up a bunch of garbage time points. He's also really cheap. I don't know if he's necessarily the guy that Sam Donald is going to lock into, though. I mean, I definitely think he's viable. I'm going to have plenty of exposure to him. I'm also going to get exposure to Braxton Berrios. Berrios, 3500 on DraftKings, also close to min price on FanDuel. And we've seen Berrios have decent games this year. And with all the injuries the Jets are dealing with, uh, Rashad Perriman's out, uh, like you said, Frank Gore's questionable. There's just going to be limited options on this offense. It sets up for Sam Donald up to throw the ball a ton. I don't know that there should be this massive of a gap in the ownership between Denzel Mims and Braxton Berrios. I don't know that Mims should be 20% owned and Berrios should be zero. So I, I think that it makes sense to work to work Berrios as a comeback in some of those uh, chief stacks. 100%. 100% agree. Like, um, look, Mims is the guy who's going to be out there on, on the edge by himself. Like, it's not like... He's the guy the Chiefs are going to be focusing on. I mean, they don't care if Braxton Berrios catches 10 passes for 80 yards in this game. Um, you know, they, they just want to guard against the Mims bomb. That's like that's like the only way the Jets can even keep this game close if Sam Darnold and Denzel Mims somehow go for like two touchdowns and 150 yards or something. Maybe that's a ha- that could happen. I think there's a very small chance of that happening. I think Mims could have a decent game, but I think the, the bust-out game with Kansas City knowing exactly where Darnold is going that's asking a lot, man. That's asking two players to like overcome a good defense with a good pass rush and everyone knowing where the ball is going. I think Braxton Berrios makes for the more logical DFS play too with Sam Darnold dumping the ball off more. That's why I like P. Ryan too. That's why I brought him up for similar reasons, right? Like just, I, I just think that logically speaking, you look at this, the Chiefs will take Nims away or try to most of the game and, and he'll end up dumping the ball off more to a couple guys like that. So um, again, you got to think about how you think the game is going to go here. We got a massive point spread. So, um, you know, obviously a lot of different things in play. But, yeah, I agree with the Braxton Burials call. Um, I'm not sure if, I, if I'm if i brave enough to just fade Mims because he is getting up there in ownership. But, um, you know, definitely will be overweight on Braxton Burials or would be if I was doing 150 lineups for sure. Yeah, so I'll say this about Burials and Mims. Like, I'm not super confident in which one of them is going to be the guy that gets more targets. So I'm going to go about even exposure to the two of them, I think. And just yeah. when I do that, Berrios is no ownership. Mims is pretty popular. Exactly. Just, just by just by default, that puts me underweight to Mims. That puts me overweight to Berrios. I yeah. mean, if anybody thinks they have a great read on what the Jets passing game is going to look like, then go ahead. Target the one guy and go, I'm going all in on Mims. Uh, but I, I just don't know how you could be that confident in any one of them. Uh, are there any other wide receivers you want to talk about before we move on? Oh, so kind of like Jacoby Myers is a cheap play. Marcus Johnson. These are guys, I mean, I'm, I'm semi just throwing out, but I, I do think that they're in interesting spots. I just don't think their game scripts are going to be as interesting as a guy like Mims or Berrios, where, you know, they, those guys are almost guaranteed to see some good targets in garbage time. Um, Marcus Johnson making some good connections with Philip Rivers going to be starting. Um, you know, they're, they're banged up a wide receiver. So he's starting on the outside now. Jacoby Myers, I mean, the Patriots have two wide receivers, like Bird and Jacoby Myers. Myers, look, Myers is the guy who's been there for a bit. 
I, he looked pretty good. I think he's going to be more apt to step into that Julian Edelman role. The problem is the Julian Edelman role has really done nothing. So yeah. <laughs> you're taking a bit of a risk there, right? I mean, yeah. but he's, step, he's, step into the zero fantasy point. Exactly role. right. Yeah. Step into this big realm of fantasy nothingness. But, you know, maybe maybe it had to do with, with Edelman just being sucking just in his knee being an issue, too. At the very least, we know that, you know, um, there's some connection there with Cam. Top four of his targets last week in uh, limited time. So I do think um, I do think Myers could be really interesting this week. I wouldn't be shocked if he actually popped up with a big game. It's risky, though. Like, I'm not going to sit here. Like I said, we, that, there's a reason we're talking about the Jets receivers in that game instead of him first. I just wanted to bring him up as a mid-price play. I think he's – I think there's a, there's a better chance for upside than people realize. But um, other than that – you know, the obvious place, I mean, I, I really like Nelson Aguilar at the beginning of the week, but this win thing, man, like I just, I don't, you know, it, it's hard to go there. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I feel I like I feel like we kind of skipped over those those big win games. Like A.J. Green was really interesting as well to me. I, I still kind of like A.J. Green, probably going to have a small piece, but it won't be, I'm just not as bullish on it anymore. Um, although that game does look like it could maybe be a little bit more viable, but um there are some interesting cheap pieces like uh, under 5K at wide receiver for sure. All right. We've got a Halloween special on Osmo. Get an Osmo Plus weekly pass for only $10.31 when you use the promo code PUMPKIN at checkout. That's nearly $20 off the original price. This package includes full access to all Osmo Plus features, including player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack channel, lineup builder, and much, much more. The owner, the the owner? The, this offer is valid through 1031 because today is Halloween. So if you want to sign up for Awesome O Plus, do it before the end of today. Get some money off, and that'll be your that'll be your treat for Halloween. All right, let's get into the tight ends here. Uh, this is once again, uh, well, not once again, for a rare time, a, a good slate for tight ends. We've got yeah. we, we've got George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, all on the main slate. Hunter Henry's a decent value. Uh, the chalk of the slate, I'm kind of surprised how chalky Darren Waller's coming in right now. Not just because of of the wind in that spot that we've talked about ad nauseum this show, but also just because there's George Kittle, Travis Kelsey to choose from, and everybody's like, hey, I'm rostering Hunter Henry. I mean, uh, I'm rostering Darren Waller over, yeah. over Hunter Henry for a cheaper price and some of these other studs. Darren Waller's been fine this year, but I can't believe he's coming in two, three times the ownership of some of these other guys. Yeah, no, um, you kind of get it. Like Cleveland is not good against the tight end. So I think people are just looking at that stat and then they say, oh, well, Darren Waller's a thousand dollars less than Travis Kelsey. He's still doing, you know, getting pretty good production for me. Let's go. Let's go all in. Um, people still want to try and stack that game a little bit. And I think that's the other thing. You see a lot of cream hunt, Darren Waller, like combos this week. Right. So, I mean, you know, again, people rostered cream hunt. Oh, I got to roster someone on the Raiders. Perfect. Darren Waller. He's a che- he's cheaper than Kittle and, and Kelsey. Let's go. So that's how people are going to start lineups this week. Um, I, I like me some Travis Kelsey a lot, and I'm, I'm happy to see his ownership is even going down. It looks like uh, you pay up for it again. Um, someone's got to score these touchdowns for KC. And okay, maybe you give Liv Bell one as a revenge, but like the, the, there's going to be at least three through the air. I mean, probably. Right. So Someone's catching these. I mean, this just feels like a Travis Kelsey, like two touchdown day. And again, I mentioned the Jets. I mean, it's a team that let Jordan Reed go for seven touchdowns or seven touchdowns. Seven, <laughs> seven touchdowns. 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 Yeah, that'll be a game. That's a lot of touchdowns. Um, maybe Travis Kelsey will catch seven. But, uh, you know, you get my point. Like, this is a team that let Jordan Reed absolutely destroy them. So I think Travis Kelsey, um, for me, it very logical. I get why people like Kittle. I'd rather go to the wide receivers there. 
um, just attack that uh, those corners on Seattle were lack of corners. So for me, Travis Kelsey is, is very much the payoff play for me this week. All right. So I'm going to ask you a question here. I know my answer. How do you rank these four tight ends in terms of the most ownership you want to have them to the least? That being uh, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, and Hunter Henry. George Kittle, Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, Hunter Henry. So uh, first would be Kelsey. Okay. Second would be, boy, that's tough. Uh, probably, it, I, honestly, the, the, the next three, I'm, I'm just kind of, I would be more apt to go overweight Hunter Henry on the field. That's for sure. Like get double the ownership on him. So maybe I'll put him second. Um, and then I'd kind of just mix Waller and Kittle in third. Um, although I'd probably go Kittle over Waller if really forced to like pick in order. So, uh, I, I kind of like going over on, on Hunter Henry again. I liked him last week. Everyone liked him last week, quite frankly, he busted. Justin Herbert's playing great. I like stacking that Denver game. I think Hunter Henry makes for uh, a nice piece of it. So, um, yeah, I'd go, I'd go Kelsey, Hunt, Henry, and then Waller and, and Kittle, kind of a, you know, mixed in three. Yeah, I'm, I'm Kittle one, Kelsey two, Henry three, then Waller four. Uh, so here's the other thing with Hunter Henry that I think also makes him pretty appealing. Is you look at some of the other cheap tight ends this week who are actually viable, because there's a ton of cheap tight ends that just kind of stink and aren't viable. I mean, like yep. Jared Cook, I think would normally be okay in this spot but the wind's a concern there. Jonu Smith, who right now looks like he's going to be a pretty popular target. That's also a, a game where the wind is a little bit of a concern. That is Jonu Smith has been really difficult to predict production for this year. Yeah. So Hunter, a little bit. And so we're not, maybe he's not hundred percent. Sorry. Yeah, that's, that, that could be true. Also, we had the, we had the Ferkser week where it was just Ferkser scored. Was it two touchdowns and, yeah. and Jonu Smith just didn't play that many snaps. So maybe there is still lingering injury there. Uh, but I mean, I look at Hunter Henry for a third the ownership of Jonu Smith at about the same price. I think it's a good spot to go back to him, especially with uh, some of the weather concerns that we have in the Titans game. That, and I mean, coming into the season, if you were just to say to me, who is the better fantasy season, Hunter Henry or Jonu Smith, I would say Hunter Henry pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that is part of the problem with Tennessee. Like they, they really do mix things up. I mean, even with their receivers, you know, they, like AJ Brown goes off because he's so good at getting downfield, but um, it's not a guy, he's not like a 10, 12 target consistently player. No one is on Tennessee. So uh, especially with tight end that, that affects a guy like, like Smith. I do like him this week, but um, you know, again, um, with the wind and everything like that too, uh, like I, I just, I like the the chargers play more right now. And um I think uh, I agree. You, you got, I, sometimes it sucks. Cause like I, I had Hunter Henry last week, trust me, even though I made that Harrison Bryant call, I still had exposure to Henry and it sucked. It sucked. Cause I was like, why didn't I just go hundred percent Henry or hundred percent Harrison Bryant, but I'm coming back with at least some Hunter Henry this week. I, I, I think I have to just because of, I, it's a good buy low spot. Less people are going to be on him. I, th- I think even the, the projections we have on him now, it's like, uh, you know, look like like eight eight percent. I I that even feels high to me. But again, maybe there isn't that many viable as many viable uh, cheap guys this week. So I was just gonna pat you on the back too, because that was the final question I I teed up at tight end was I was gonna I was gonna say you know Jeff with the call of the slate last week by saying that Harrison Bryant was the guy to roster yeah. at tight end scores two touchdowns. But you kind of beat me to the punch there. So you are the Harrison Bryant whisperer of the two of us because I certainly wasn't considering at all until you brought him up last week. Uh, David Njoku still a little bit involved, except like we talked about last week is, you know, Njoku was demanding a trade 
And then even though it's set up with Austin Hooper being out, that it looked like Njoku was going to be the guy. And Njoku did end up catching a touchdown. It was, it was still Harrison Bryant who got more of the work. So we look at the two tight ends there. And how do you feel about Harrison Bryant coming off your best call of the season? Let, let's call it what it is. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, uh, hopefully, I mean, I actually, I got a lot of DMs from it. I mean, people were actually listening to me to play it, which is cool. But uh, uh, I definitely worked out for a lot of people uh, last week. I saw, definitely saw some winning lineups with it too. So um, I don't hate it at all. I mean, um, I think that you're seeing a shift there a little bit, you know, again, um, and you think, well, it's a win game. And, and But Baker Mayfield has kind of gone between like intermediate and throwing deep all year. Like, I, I, you don't want to chase points, but at the same time, like this does seem like a good situation for some continuation. So I absolutely don't hate it. Um, people bringing up Irv Smith. I don't hate the Irv Smith play either. Um, I, I'm not as bullish on Harrison Bryant, mainly just because I don't want to try keep putting my trust in, in the Cleveland offense every week in week out. You know, like we did get a little bit lucky just how the end of the game worked out there. And, and again, we have a windy game, like this is going to be ugly. So I would say with with the ownership up, I'm I'm not as apt to go all in on Harrison Bryant. Like we, I, I mentioned Travis Kelsey, I do really kind of like paying up. I think this is a slate where you can pay up. Uh, I think if you do want to take some some like a really low owned shot, Albert Okwanbunum. <laughs> Albert Okwanbunum. I don't I don't think that's anywhere close to correct. But Albert O, 2800. He's led the Denver Broncos in targets the last two weeks. If you're stacking that game, I think it makes sense to get a little bit of exposure to him. He's 2,800 on DK. That's going to be my chief tight end of the call of this week, Greg, not Harrison Bryant. Uh, I'm going to say okay. Albert O. Um, I do think that, like, if you're stacking that game or you got Josh Jacobs on one side, coming back with Harrison Bryant makes sense. I'm not saying you have to, like, cross him off your list or anything, but, um, you know, for that low-owned G- GPP flyer with, like, 1%, it's going to be Albert O this week for me. Yeah, and, I mean, after basically not getting any work to start the season, seven targets last week, six targets the week before. So it's not like he's totally uninvolved. For no ownership, I, I think that we could do worse. The other thing, too, is that, that we can't forget that Noah Font did play last week, right? So yep. so it, it's it's not like this Drew is Locke, just... I swear to God, Drew Locke hates Noah Font. Like, I, I, <laughs> like he just he doesn't look at him when he's open. When he does throw to him, it's like a murder ball. Like, I seriously do not... There's, there's like, something going on there from the Broncos again. That's just my take. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean that would be that would be quite the scandal if, if you just have you just find out that there's some like huge locker room rift between a quarterback and one of his receiving options, and he's just been throwing him high balls over the middle the entire season. Well, it's pretty weird that that um, Albert O came in and has seen like more targets than Noah Font, and he's playing like forty percent of the snaps. Like it's a strange situation. It does speak to Aguanabom's um, like potential as a, as a receiver. Like he was a highly talented. A lot of guys like this guy as an athlete coming out of college. So there is a lot of reason to like him. Um, I just did not think we'd see it this fast, but when, when you see a quarterback get in, get in sync with a guy, like I think you have to pay attention, especially a young player like that on a team with no receivers, like Tim Patrick might not play. If Tim Patrick doesn't play, I actually even like that call even more. So that's another piece of injury news to, to, uh, to keep your eye on. All right. I'm taking note. I'm going to get a little bit of exposure. I like him. I like him more than, than Perrine this week. Um, I th- you, you've, you've definitely convinced me on one of your contrarian plays. I'll okay. say that much. Good. All right. So let's get into the defenses. Now I have a little bit of a defense take, and that is with you some of defense. these offenses coming in really chalky and win games. I kind of like some of these defenses going up against chalky offense. We've got, we've got cheap defense. We could target. I mean, the Packers are 2,900 Kirk cousins playing in the wind, the Packers sub 3000 with no ownership. 
I, I think that this is some of the spots I want to I want to take advantage of is just these teams where there's chances for just balls to flutter in the wind and just lead to inaccurate passes. I think that could lead to turnovers. I think that there's an opportunity here on low owned defenses that are cheap just because people are going to say, Hey, these offenses are kind of decent. I don't usually like to roster defenses against them, yep. uh, but I think, I think this is the time there's going to be added variance because of the weather. So which one's your favorite though? Probably the Packers at 2,900 going up against the Vikings. Okay. I like the Raiders for all the reasons you just said too. Um, you know, Same uh, people, people, people do like to kind of get on the, the Browns and, and I, I don't think the Browns are like anything special either. Um, and you know, the Raiders coming in off, uh, you know, what, what did they lose to Tampa last week? Who cares if they lost to Tampa? Tampa's a good team. Uh, this is still a team that like beat Kent KC. I don't really like the Raiders D at all, but you know, just as a unit, but like Greg mentioned, it's going to be, this is probably going to be the ugliest game on the slate. Um, you know, you got Baker Mayfield coming in uh, a little bit banged up, like, I, I kind of like that. So 2,900, especially you could pair him with Josh Jacobs too. Um, my favorite D on the slate though, do you want to guess what my, I, actually I told you earlier in the week what my favorite D is. So you can probably guess. Uh, you only said it, you only said it briefly, but I think I remember you saying the Dolphins. Dolphins. Yeah. Dolphins um, coming in off a of bye. LA going cross country here. Uh, the Dolphins D is good, man. Like they, they've allowed like 180 yards passing. Byron Jones is back. I think that's made a big deal in their secondary I think the Dolphins beat the Rams straight up this week. Uh, I really like them at 2,400. That's big confidence in Tua in his first game. You really, you really like those handoffs from uh, from the game against the Jets. <laughs> yeah, that saw a lot in those handoffs. Yeah, I, I did think it was funny that people went so crazy for Tua in that game. Like, ah, oh, it's it's like relax. He, he he handed the ball off three times and threw like two. I, I was expecting. I, w- I went to see the highlights and I'm like, oh, he must have done something. Nope, <laughs> just just walked on the field. Like, okay, but. I, I th- that's the other thing. I mean, let's just talk about that for one sec. I think that like people, people are like, oh my God, they're bringing in a rookie quarterback. What are they doing? Like, I'm sorry, but like two is better than Ryan Fitzpatrick just to break it to people like long-term, like you, you are actually starting the better quarterback. So I don't think it's that big a deal. Um, again, we saw a guy like, look at what Justin Herbert did coming in with no notice. He just about beat the chiefs. Like these rookie QBs guys, they're ready to go. It's not a big concern. Um, I, I know people are rostering the Rams, you know, thinking it's a good spot. I don't really think it's a good spot. I, I think the, the Dolphins are playing good football, and I, I think they might even be better with, like, a better rushing element with Tua. So that's my take on the on the Dolphins this week. Yeah, I mean, if anything, and we're running out of time, so I'll just say this real quick. If anything, I feel bad for Ryan Fitzpatrick just because it seems like he got yeah. no he, he got no heads up or notice. They were just like, hey, we're going to Tua, and he did not expect it at all. So it seemed like he kind of got blindsided by that. So that was – that was really where I felt worse in the situation was just that Ryan Fitzpatrick seemed to have no clue was coming. He knew it was happening eventually. He just didn't know it was happening yeah. at that moment. Uh, so let's let's hit it. Let's close it off. Favorite stack of the week. And by the way, free content on awesomeo.com is the NFL Express stack tool. So you could go find some of our favorite quick stacks on the slate also by going awesomeo.com. And those are free. So Jeff, what is your favorite stack of the week? Oh, so... I think I'm I'm gonna go. Uh, my my favorite sort of play is is just like a Chiefs kind of domination play, but that that's pretty self-explanatory. I'm gonna say my favorite sort of correlation, or I don't even know if you want to call it a stack or a correlation play, is gonna go to Melvin Gordon with Keenan Allen and and like a Charger stack. I think you got a clean weather game there. I think people again like Justin Herbert playing so well. Chargers defense not not really as good as people realize right now. I think that game just has a little bit more potential than, than people think. So I, I guess it's more of like a Justin Herbert stack we're talking about with Melvin Gordon on the other side. I'm going to say that, but obviously still like getting exposure to those 
being overweight, let's put it on the Chiefs, uh, like kind of big stack. Give me Russell Wilson to DK Metcalf. I mean, people are on Wilson. People are on Tyler Lockett. People are not really on DK Metcalf. Uh, I understand why he didn't play well last week. Tyler Lockett did. So everybody goes, hey, let's go get all those Tyler Lockett points. And I kind of feel this is going to be a situation the entire season where everybody's a week behind, which Seahawks receiver does well. I think that people are just going to play whoever did well the week before. And I think it's going to alternate a lot. So is this, is this a week where they finally both go off? Like Maybe from what we've seen so far, it doesn't seem like that's really in the cards. The other issue also is just that both of them are really expensive that I think it's hard to fit in lineups with yeah. Lockett, Metcalf, and Wilson. I'm going to have more exposure to Metcalf than Lockett this week, and I just hope that's going to be a DK Metcalf week. But, I mean, that's something that's been pretty difficult to predict so far this year. So just give me whichever one of the two is lower owned. Uh, shows we have coming up for the rest of the day, NASCAR Strategy Show on next on the Osmo YouTube channel. On the contrary, that's the NFL show with – uh, Lawfee and Alex Baker. And then we have the MMA live before lock MMA locks at four o'clock today. So that will do it for us. Good luck in your contest this week. Yep. Good luck guys.